0: The Hearing, a legal podcast from Thomson Reuters. I'm at a point in my life now where I feel very mentally resilient. But it's also, you know, I do get those low moments too. I'm surrounded by supervisors who genuinely care. I'm actually encouraged to work less and I'm encouraged to take those breaks and to enjoy weekends and what have you. I don't think you'll get many trainees who will have that. And that's all because of the firm.
1: Welcome listeners to another episode of The Hearing Podcast. Great to have your company. My next guest is Troy Atkin, better known as the weightlifting lawyer. Troy works at Bisco's law firm. He's a trainee solicitor, and we wanted to talk to him about his very untraditional route into the law. What interested me particularly about this episode with Troy is The fact that he knew from quite an early age, I'd say, even though he was still doing another career, um, that he really wanted to pursue this career in law, and what drove him to do that. And the absolute discipline he has for for absolutely everything he does in his life, whether it be powerlifting, um, pursuing this career, he is immensely disciplined, very driven. Um, he knows his reason why, and therefore, it makes it so much easier when he has knockbacks or challenges or getting up at 3 a.m. in the morning to do training. He knows the big reason why, and that keeps him going forward.
0: The Hearing.
1: Troy Atkin, welcome to the Hearing Podcast. So brilliant to have your company. How are you doing?
0: Thank you very much for uh, having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here, and it's a great opportunity. Um, I'm doing very well, thank you.
1: Fantastic. And Troy, we found you because you've built up a little bit of a brand. Um, you call yourself The Weightlifting Lawyer on Instagram, on LinkedIn. Um, actually, I'm going to start with this first question. Where did that name come from? Well, it's pretty obvious, but why did you decide to call yourself The Weightlifting Lawyer? What was, what was behind that?
0: Um, no, it is a great question. And I think, um, you know, it, it, it combines two things that I absolutely love. Um, I love all things weightlifting, strength sports, um, and I also love the law as well. Without kind of sounding cliche, so I wanted to have a handle that was catchy, but also reflective of who I am, um, so that if someone, you know, just just wanted to view my page um, quickly, they could ascertain. What I'm about, and uh, you know what what kind of content they can expect. And um, interestingly, I'm actually a powerlifter. Which um, yeah. to a layperson, there's there's no discretion between a, a weightlifter and a powerlifter. They they seem to be the same, but powerlifting is different to weightlifting. Um, but I didn't think that the powerlifting lawyer kind of rolled off the tongue <laughs> as, e- as easily. So the weightlifting lawyer, it was um, just because I think they're both quite two generic terms, which embody um, and encompass quite a broad aspect of each of the individual. Um, so, so, for example, a lawyer, I'm, I'm going to be a solicitor, right. but a lawyer is all inclusive. Uh, and weightlifting, it kind of includes all kind of different strength sports. So the weightlifting lawyer for me just felt right. And it stuck to this okay. day.
1: Brilliant. Well, I know you're a trainee at Bisco Solicitors, and it's great you've already got a brand for yourself already, and people are finding you. Um, and that's how we found you, actually. Um, I just wanted to start with this: what What's your? You've gotten an unusual route into the legal profession. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how you came to be a trainee solicitor? What's your background?
0: Yeah. So um, I, I think ever since I was I was very young, I always wanted to be a barrister. Um, that's the route. I mean, probably, you know, you may have realized that I like speaking and I like the sound of my own voice, Um, but, uh, but, um, but I, I love the law and I love advocating for people and I love it it, to be serious about it. I love, um, kind of being that stop for, for victims of, 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 crime or victims of civil injustice. And I like being that voice for people, but my, my route was kind of, um, I was set off course, Um, late teens when I went you know I was in the hospitality industry for a long time um, and I was actually one of the youngest managers um, at the at the chain that I was working at quite a you know middle to high-end chain of of restaurants Um, and I went on from there I actually got given my own place to manage um, and and I ended up um, actually managing a team of around 30 of the chain of pubs uh, and and teaching Um, I, I incorporated things called such as Troy's Trip Advice Um, So I would go around helping people in in order to give the best customer service to people and also how to kind of add value from that customer service to the brand. So you're not just ensuring that you're delivering uh, that spectacular service to your clients and customers, but you're also following on from that and using that, so getting that word of mouth back and how do you get those reviews and testimonials, et cetera. So um, as I kind of... went up the chain shall we say in the restaurant industry um it unfortunately it, you know I was kind of pushed back of house as you may, may do as you you know get up the managerial ladder and um I decided that it wasn't for me anymore because I wanted to be client facing and and I thought well I'm still enjoying the law at this point I was still enjoying legal articles I was still um doing pro bono work where I could volunteering shall we say at that point um so uh, I decided to go back to law school um, to get my degree, and then then pursue that career. Gosh!
1: So whilst you were a manager and training people, and you were alongside that doing pro bono stuff and and, and reading legal articles, so you, that that interest in the law was was there quite early, even though you had another career.
0: Absolutely, in my opinion, I've always liked to have thought that my principles and morals were almost protecting other people um, because, you know, whatever happened circumstances in in your life where you kind of got to that view. But I've always wanted to be in a position where I was able to do something for someone. And I think when you're younger and you think like that, you think perhaps I want to save everyone. But then as you progress and you kind of gain a better perspective you realize that you can't help everyone but the people that you can help well let's make sure that it's a really good job and that you're really changing people's lives and you know in the hospitality industry I was kind of doing that I was providing someone a lovely service what may you know a wedding or a birthday meal or whatever what have you and then when I was taken away from that environment which I craved um, that customer service aspect I, I then oh. just thought, well, you know what? I've always wanted to be a lawyer. I've always oh. had an interest in the law and a passion for it. So let's just pursue it. Let's see where it went. And and so I returned to university. I was around, probably just turned 25 again. And... Um, Uh, You know, (laughs) didn't have very high expectations because I think the the status quo is that you go to university quite early on, you get your degree, you join a firm as a paralegal, and and then off you go. I think um, the one thing I would say about me is that I've never done anything easy, um, and and I always take take pride in the fact that um, I I welcome any challenge that kind of comes my way. Um, Although at the time it's quite difficult to think like that, Um, but. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm here now.
1: Mm. And, uh, you know, this, I'm interested in why this sense for justice and helping victims, you said, I think, at the beginning. Where did that come from? You know, has something, have, have you experienced something personally or you've seen something that has made you think, that's what I want to do? It, it, does that come from somewhere?
0: Yeah, I've got two instances on that, and uh, the first one is related. Well, the, well, one's related to criminal, one's related to civil. Um, so, oh. criminal. Um, I, I had an incident happen when I was around sixteen years old. Um, in, in that, we were a group of friends, and I were out for dinner, uh, and then we were jumped. We went to went to court, and I just found that whole experience very disappointing. Uh, We were made out to feel like we were the victims. And I I didn't know then what I know now. So, you know, the evidence and that you have to get in in front of a court and, and the processes and procedures of court. But I just found the whole thing very unfair and very unsupportive to potential victims of crime.
1: When you say jump, Troy, sorry to interrupt, when you say jump, what, what what do you mean? What exactly happens? It's just that my listeners can understand.
0: Yeah, of, of course. And um, forgive my colloquialism. Um, <laughs> so a couple, a couple of people with baseball bats uh, basically um, came out of nowhere. We had no idea who these people were, never met them before. And they just started attacking us. So obviously from them we we went we went through the the correct channels we called the police the police then interviewed us um and it was years actually since we in, until we um actually got into the court into the crown court in winchester and yeah. the, as i said the whole process was um just very disappointing a very disheartening and and it and it it made me not want to kind of bring another claim if i had a similar one in the future and and i thought well I don't want anyone to feel like that. Um, I don't personally um, wish to pursue the criminal. Um, I'm more civil. But um, another incident of civil is um, a member of my family, an elderly member of my family, um, who was unfortunately very ill, um, got scammed. Um, Mm. unfortunately got scammed for quite a lot of money and um, that kind of links into um, some of the pro bono work that I did during university in which I I worked I was a scam It's called a scam champion for Hampshire County Council Mm. whereby you um, raise awareness of scams but at the time I just felt again there wasn't that support there and there there didn't seem to be someone in a position like a solicitor or a lawyer who could potentially be that stopgap and, and assist and not provide the magic answer or anything like that but actually just help find a way forward
1: mm. thank you so much for sharing that try. I know it can reopen wounds so I'm really grateful that you're able to share that and it and it explains why you have this sense of passion and also you know at the age of 25 where a lot of people think well you know I've got a career um, actually you went back and did the hard work and and that must have been quite challenging at times, and maybe question why you're doing this. But given those two incidences, um, I can understand why that, that drove you forward. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, what struggles and challenges did you have then, if any, getting into the law? Did, did you think that, do you feel that your unconventional route in was actually a hindrance or was it an advantage? What, what, what was your experience?
0: Yeah, I think um, initially it was it was certainly a hindrance because I didn't uh, I wasn't trained how to vocalize my experiences correctly in interviews. Um, Eventually, it became my superpower because I could I actually had all this experience to draw upon. Um, So, you know, I I must have had over four hundred rejections. You know, and probably even more. More no return of emails, etc. no no callbacks or whatever and um, and I took that personally at the beginning. Um, I took it very personally because um, you know twenty five twenty six twenty seven I've left uh, you know by the time I was at the peak of my hospitality career, I was on a great wage. And I was on a wage where I could um, start the rest of my life, shall we say. And I, I left all that to, to go back to, to the legal industry. Um, well, not even to the legal industry. I left that to go back to university. I didn't have a job. I had to go back to other um, other ways of earning money. And, um, yeah, I think it's the life of a lawyer Um, But you don't realise that as a student, that at every turn there's a problem. And if you want to be a lawyer, I always say, you want to be a lawyer, well, you're a problem solver, and this is just another problem that you've got to solve. I think trying to tell that to a student with no legal experience is difficult to understand. However all those experiences shaped me and um about around 75% of, of the journey through the application process i actually started seeing all my rejections as as fuel and fire to 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 drive me on so it was it was a it was a very harsh learning curve but it was a learning curve nonetheless and it was vital because i wouldn't be the person i am now if i didn't have gotten rejected all those times in the past so yeah. whilst i took it personally then I now actually am very thankful for it because once I kind of it's it's almost like mastering a craft being being interviewed or interviewing and and once you kind of you become a master of that and by virtue of all the interviews I did I I, I became quite good yeah. I suddenly started putting forward a string of interviews in which I was very successful. And I got a lot of job offers and vacation schemes and applications that I was able to then um, build on my um, legal CV.
1: Mm, Thank you. And it's very encouraging for those who may be getting lots of rejections or setbacks or challenges in their life that you're testament to the fact that actually, sometimes you've just got to keep knocking on that door. Um, And You know, what what is practice like in a a regional law firm for those who who are interested in pursuing a career in law? What is it actually like? Because we hear about potentially big salaries or, you know, um, in city firms perhaps or uh, in certain areas of law that people practice in. But that isn't always the reality, is it? It's it's blimmin' hard work a lot of the time. So what would you say to people um, if they want to get into a regional law firm? What's it like?
0: Um, I would first allude to the fact that it's extremely different from academia. So if you're coming straight out of, of um, law school and to practice, there's uh, there's a shock for some people. I would say, um, I personally enjoy practice a lot more than I did academia. Um, but what is it like? Well, working in in the firm that I'm in, it's it's collaborative, it's supportive. And it, it, encourage, it encourages autonomy for each member of staff, whatever level you're at. So um, what I would say is if you're someone like me, who is very, um, I like to think outside the box. I'm very much hands on. Um, I don't, I, I like to take the initiative and I don't wait for a chance. I go out and grab it. Um, if you're someone like me, then, then firms like this are perfect for you. Because where I'm at, I've got a large caseload of my own. Uh, my my personal caseload includes high net worth individuals, large companies and conglomerates, then on the flip side, individuals. Um, so I deal with a, a wide range. I've got you know what pe- may, people may consider as people in the public eye as well that come to me as a trainee solicitor, and, an, and I advise them. Um, I've got to win the work as well. Oh, you're just a trainee solicitor, how are you gonna help me? Um, so there's that aspect as well, which I like. Um, but the, the, there is that trust here that let Troy get on with it because he know he's here because we know he can do it. And we also understand that he will not... I won't ever give advice without having it checked, obviously. And there's that trust, there's that mutual trust here. So I'm treated like a trainee for the purposes of ed, being educated and training, but I'm treated like an equal in terms of bringing a fee in. So that's, that's the kind of... I, I've worked at a larger law firm what you may consider as big law and it's it's night and day there's no micromanagement here and i don't mean to kind of um i I don't wish to talk about the other law firm in that respect but there's there's zero micromanagement here and and as i said if you wanted to come here and do a nine to five and that's it then you can but if you also want to go the extra mile you're also supported to do that and and nothing's and and i think just to summarize that I always say this is the the measure of of this firm is I can walk into my MD's office at any time that I want and just have a chat with no appointment or anything. And, you know, and and I think that just speaks volumes about where I'm where I'm at.
1: Completely. yeah And it sounds like it's very much suited to you um, and bringing the best out of you and all your skills that you you had before when you came uh, to that law firm. That's fantastic to hear. And, you know, Um, It sounds like you've got a really interesting and varied caseload with with quite a lot of responsibility but still there's those checks in place because obviously you are still a trainee and there's a a supervisory element um, to that so have you got any standout moments in your legal career today I mean I know it's relatively short legal career because you're just are you in your third seat is that right.
0: Yes, um, I'm in my third seat. Um, I'm doing uh, almost a dual seat. So um, I started in commercial property, then moved over to corporate. Uh, I'm now right. in litigation, but I'm also as well um, because I'm wanting to qualify into commercial and corporate litigation. So I'm right. kind of I'm doing a, a mix of contentious trusts right. and probate um, yeah. with, with a supervisor in um, the litigation department, and I'm also uh, back in the commercial and corporate assisting. Um, where I can. Again, you know, it's, um, that was a deci- that was a joint decision. It wasn't a you're doing this. It's a mm. what would you like to do approach. And for someone like me, who I don't respond to my being micromanaged very well at all, as I- you probably can imagine. i got um, that
1: impression, Troy, <laughs> quite early.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but th- that approach for me enables me to, to just do what I need to do and, and love what I do. And when I'm passionate mm. about something, you're going to get the best out of me. So yeah. Um, yeah, I third third seat, potentially my last seat.
1: Yeah. So qualification, March 2023. Yes. I've worked out. Yeah. Okay. And so to date, in your experience, have you got any sort of standout moments that you think that was a real highlight in your career?
0: Um Yes, I have. I have a, th- uh, a few moments like that. Um I think... Going to hearings and dealing with hearings on your own, Um, I think I've taken over quite a few matters that were at the hearing stage from maybe lawyers that have left the firm or transferred over and to kind of, you know, obviously I'm not saying I've done the bulk of the work, but to, to get the the client prepared for the hearing to instruct to provide the brief to counsel, go through the hearing and get that win you know i've done that five times now since i've i've been here and we've got five wins um Mm. and that is definitely a highlight because, um, you know, you put all that work in, there's all that stress. Uh, and then to yeah. tell the client you've got that result is, is unbelievable. And it, it, re, it, it kind of reinstalls my faith in the justice system that I maybe didn't have when I was that 16-year-old kid. Mm. Um, so it, it reaffirms why I'm doing what I'm doing because I really, truly believe in what I do. Um, yeah. Another, you know, I've just recently just had a um, – so, you know, I would say I'm, I'm a litigator over a lawyer – Um, Because I I love to litigate. And part of that is also learning when to utilise dispute resolution rather than perhaps a litigation technique. So this week, we've just secured um, a really, really good settlement offer. it's a a drop hands offer really. Um, and that's, that's, that's been a a big highlight saved each client, each party, tens of thousands of pounds and years of going through the court. And sometimes, and that's what I like. Um, I, I, I think I'm quite entrepreneurial. I'd like to think that anyway. Um, sometimes the, the best solution is the, is the most commercially viable one and perhaps not what the law says in black and white. Um, and, and just kind of just to, just to round that back off as well. Um, Probably the, the best win for me was um, protecting um, a very elderly client who unfortunately um, had had a terminal illness. She was She was the victim of, of quite aggressive um, developers. Um, in negotiations for a certain agreement, and we managed to actually um, stop those negotiations, um, secure her some compensation, quite considerable, and um, and f- most importantly for her, they received a formal apology from the from the company, so they admitted their liability throughout. So. I'm not money-driven. I don't care about money. I think that if you're good at something and if you're at the top of, the, of your game, that just comes and, and you can fulfil those fee quotas and, and whatever you the fee targets that you've got set. I am purely here to assist people that can't help themselves. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm quite bulldogish. Not in, this, not in the way that I litigate. I, I like to litigate fairly and, and courteously and, and politely mm. and things like that. But when it needs to be firm, I can be firm. Whatever the client needs, is, that's the only thing that really matters to me.
1: Sure, yeah. And that's the difference between, you know, what you said was sometimes, you know, the law isn't the, the simple solution, What the letter of the law. Actually, it's the commercial viability of it. That's the difference between being a student actually in real life practice. You've got to be aware of that. That comes with experience and confidence and all of those issues. So thank you for for highlighting that. I think a lot of people wanting to get into law will have a a better understanding now of what that looks like. And um, second question to that is, you talk about standout moments, any low points in your career to date? The hearing. On the outside, you're a lawyer. Calm and cool, but inside there's a passion to perform. A drive to be absolutely on your game. You prepare hour after hour, day after day, in the pursuit of excellence. Relying on superior resources, serious preparation, and total confidence. That's the advantage we give you. Be your best with Thomson Reuters Practical Law. You talk about standout moments. Any low points? In your career to date, that you can speak of,
0: um, I, I think I, it may sound a little cliche. I don't, I don't see any moments as low points. Um, I see mm. them as learning curves. Um, mm. But I would consider that perhaps uh, you, you know leap moments that have happened so far in my career perhaps where a client and, and I maybe didn't see eye to eye on the on the best way forward so for example in litigation um, you know the overriding objectives of the parties are for each party to essentially resolve the dispute without the need for court intervention and you provide a you may provide a client with the most practical reasonable cost-effective solution and the client may wish to just litigate on principle shall we say and I think whereby there's been no real low moments as of yet touch wood um but there have been moments in which um a client and I have not agreed and perhaps we may have decided to go our separate ways um which is which is not the ideal solution and and even though I can safely say and obviously I've got my supervisors as well that have gone through all correspondence and advice before I've sent it so it has been checked um even yeah. though i can safely say i've done everything correctly and i've acted within the best interests of the client at all times there's still a little bit in in the in the back of my mind that thinks well i wish i could have done more because even if there is mm. a when well, we've all got troublesome clients but i'm of the view that no client is too troublesome that you can't go above and beyond and i think that's kind of maybe the the idealistic troy speaking in that i want to help everyone but yeah there is a realistic approach to that in which you can't. And sometimes the best thing that you can do for your client is to say, look, I've given you the best possible advice I can give you. I'm of the view that if you seek instruction elsewhere, that they'll give the, the similar, similar or the same advice. Um, however, you have a right to pursue it. I just don't think that you'll the prospects of success for you are, are, are great. Therefore, I don't wish to take it on for you. That's the only reason that I'll yeah. say it is: is if I really don't think there's a chance. Because, as I said, I'm not here to just take someone's money for the sake of litigating. Right. I'm not here just to take a case if I don't think it's going to be worth their time or their money. Um, so, I think that that's quite important for me to remember: is that there are going to be loads of low moments in the in my career. Um, yeah. And it's how you, it's, the low moments don't matter at all, at any point in anyone's life. It's how people stand up from those low moments and it's how they recover and it's how they learn from it and it's how they push forward. That's that's what matters.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, I, I practiced in personal injury law and acting for claimants at one point in my career. And you it, it's hard to break the news to clients that actually... This doesn't have prospects and, and you'd be wasting your money pursuing it. You'll be doing them a disservice if you, you know, you can't lie to them or mislead them and say, you know, you've got a great chance. You've given them the information and then it's up to them. Um, and, and if they want to pursue it, they have to go elsewhere. Um, so that's having integrity, isn't it? Um, thank you for explaining that. Um, I'm interested how I know you're passionate because I, I was looking at your LinkedIn profile and Instagram and everything and you're very passionate about mental health and physical health how I mean physical health I guess you keep physically fit and, and perhaps mentally fit as well with the power lifting um, and that must be very useful whilst working in, in law which is a stressful environment but how else do you keep mentally and physically well in this profession
0: um, I, I think um, you're right, you know, powerlifting and law make up the bulk of my day um, mm. and and I don't really do much else. Um,
1: no. <laughs> but eat and sleep.
0: Yeah, well, e- eating and, and working at the same time mo- mostly, but mm. it's all about the environment that, that, that I surround myself in and the people that I surround myself with. Um, that's the most important thing for me is, is... Understanding that even even though I am at a point in my life now where I feel very mentally resilient, you know I've got the fort, I've got fortitude I've got all all those kind of buzzwords that you would associate with mental health I've built up from almost a hardened shell um, of, of my experiences, um, but it's also it, you know I do get those low moments too. So it doesn't matter how tough you think you are, you you, you sure. do get those low moments. And what I've gotten better at and still learning to do is is to, um, to, to speak up about those moments and to perhaps, yeah. um, you know, you don't need to divulge in, 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 in your experiences in, in any depth, but just to kind of create relationships around the office whereby you have that person that you could just ask if they've got a moment that you can discuss something, you're not feeling too great. Um, you know, I think I'm very biased in this answer because I'm surrounded by supervisors who genuinely care and mm. I'm very often told to stop working, to go home, to stop doing, sending emails at a certain time. Um, because for me, I think full steam ahead, let's go. I've wasted, in my eyes, a few years. I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm, I love what I'm doing. I'm meeting clients. Um, I, I'm actually encouraged to work less slash my normal hours. Um, mm. And I'm encouraged to take those breaks and to enjoy weekends and what have you. So, Yeah that that does wonders for my mental health because i know that when i'm doing extra work it's because i want to do it rather than yes. me being forced to do it so it's it's all on my terms and to have that mm. as a trainee that's that's unbelievable it's i don't think you'll get many trainees who will have that um so right. and that's and that's all because of the firm
1: yeah that's really good to hear because supervisors and partners and people in positions of authority have that responsibility towards their staff to ensure there's that they're not there's not you know presenteeism and people overworking because that can be a problem in itself. I, I remember years ago in in a firm I was at there there was a trainee coming in at weekends and her supervisor did the same thing said, "Look, I know your caseload. You shouldn't be actually coming in. Yes, there's always work to be done, isn't there? It's never ending. But actually, this is going to make you ill and you should enjoy your weekend and time off, because that's really important for for balance. So that's really, that's really encouraging to hear that. Um, So I know on your Instagram account, um, you share your sort of mental health journey, powerlifting journey. And you spoke about, you know, you you speak openly about mental health, but where are the boundaries? Because I've noticed LinkedIn is turning a little bit into Facebook and You know, maybe I'm a person of a certain age that people I think overshare sometimes. You think, oh my goodness, is you know, it's all good to to normalise and to have these open conversations. I think that's really important. But are there boundaries where we think actually this is this is personal to me and you wouldn't necessarily share with followers? Or where's the line for you, Troy? I guess is what I'm kind of asking.
0: Yeah, I think um, you know, I I share the view that um LinkedIn is a business professional website and it should be used as such. Uh, And if you wanted to share things that maybe aren't of a professional nature, it should still be done in a professional way. Um, However, my mental health journey has allowed me to speak to thousands, if not tens of thousands of people. And what I've realized is that we can't encourage mental health and openness and transparency about it if we're going to be if we're going to place restrictions on how people can do it so sure. if we're going to say you can do it in this way but you can't do it in that way sure. well you're going to you're going to discourage people from doing it so there's either got to be an open forum whereby there's an acceptance that if someone wants to discuss it on that website then that's what they felt was the best thing to do at that time And even though it's not something I like, I'm going to respect that and I'm just going to Mm. respectfully either unfollow or scroll past or whatever you need to do. Or there's got to be on the flip side of don't share anything because I I don't think we can drip feed things like mental health because Mm. everyone has a different way of dealing with it. The way that you Absolutely. deal with yours is a way different to I'm very much I'm quite actually closed. Even though I do share, I don't share yeah. everything because I'm I like to deal with things in a certain way. And then when I'm ready to talk, I'll talk. So I'm yeah. I'm very much I'm not a very reactive person in that sense. But some people are. And some people like to so don't get me wrong, I scroll on LinkedIn and I think, this is not for me. And and sometimes I may think, why are you posting it here? and yeah. and i and i get both sides of, of the argument 100% but whereby mental health is so personal and particularized to each person unless it encroaches on your life or someone else's life you don't have an opinion on it that's my yeah. view so
1: i'm i'm kind of of the same view that i i do wonder about people who then comment and say why is this on linkedin why do- you know let that individual do as long as it doesn't encroach on your rights or you know anything to do with you they're obviously needing to have some sort of outlet for some reason it's not for for anybody really necessarily to to comment on that because that may you don't know what they're going through um to to do that post in the first place so i think yeah i think i'm in agreement with you there um with your approach um and I know, sorry, did you want to, i butted in there, Troy. Did you want to finish off your point? We like to talk a lot, I can tell.
0: <laughs> no, no, it's, um, it, it's absolutely fine. And I, and I think, you know, uh, there has to be, I think there has to be a fine line between business and personal. For sure, there has mm. to be, because it cultivates different relationships. Um, so, for example, I wouldn't go telling my clients how I felt. And I certainly wouldn't go sharing it on a forum where I know they're on, but you know I, I can't speak for those that, that need to do that because I think I'm all about having a serious chat about mental health. I don't like the unicorn and the fluff and all that kind of stuff that comes with it. I'm I'm probably what you would call quite a traditional person you know yeah. um, I come from a very traditional family. Um, you know, all, I like to lift weights, I like to work, and I like to socialise. I'm, I'm, I'm quite simplistic in that regard. And mm. over time, and the people that I've met have shaped the way that I act towards mental health. And it's, it's, it's very simple. You allow people a chance to speak, and if you allow them that chance to speak, you can't restrict that. Um, because once you start restricting it, you then place... A lot of restrictions on people and they they just won't speak out about it and there is a it, it's very severe and it and it all come it's I, th- I find with mental health we're always talking about how other people react to it when actually what we yeah. should be focusing on is is how do we stop it or how do we prevent it how do we help okay. it and if we if if we're mm-hmm. helping it I would rather someone posts on LinkedIn something that you know could be regarded as a Facebook post than perhaps doing something that's final to themselves if, if you catch my yeah. drift perhaps doing something that's very negative to their own person or their family or something yeah. i'd r- much rather a post than that so if that's what they have to do at that time then i hold no judgment
1: yeah yeah interesting thank you and lastly i i saw on linkedin that um you're a mckenzie friend which sounded interesting do you want to tell uh the listeners what what that is and what that involves and how long you've been doing that
0: Yeah, so um, throughout university, um, this is, as I said, and if I could just link it to another point that may be useful for maybe aspiring lawyers in my position, is Mm. I didn't have any legal experience, but at university there's always loads of pro bono stuff you can sign up to, and and I signed up to everything and anything, and and I built my CV that way, and, and one of the things that was attractive to employers was the fact that I was a McKenzie friend, and Uh, a mckenzie friend is essentially you 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 assist um more particularly in family courts where where you go and assist um individuals at court that have never been to court before and you just essentially you're just a friend you help them you don't advise them on any of the law or anything like that but you help them with the procedure and you try and take a little bit of the burden of the day off them and um and as i said there's it was the cases that i was involved in were were very um emotive and and very overwhelming for, for the individuals who I was there with um but it's that sense of support and it was that support that I was talking about you know when I went to court that time when I was younger I didn't I didn't know what I was doing I went into this big dark dreary building um you know I, I had this scary judge talking to me and all these barristers going at me and it was just a really kind of overwhelming experience and just to be able to, it. The way I see it is if I had someone there at the beginning, just to say, this is what to expect, this is what's going to happen, and at any time, if you need to stop or if you need to do, if you need to have a break or whatever, this is how you go and do it. Then I would have been much more um, at ease with the whole process because going to court for us, we're desensitized to it now because we're in every day. Um, but uh, to a lay person or, or a litigant person or what have you. This is the, this is probably one of the most standout moments of their life. So to mm. have someone there just to sit next to them and get them a coffee, a drink of water, and a couple of tissues, and say, "Look, it's going to be very stressful for you, but I'm here if you need anything. Let's do it together," uh, and, and that just to provide some sort of support for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And because people, I mean, it can be a very intimidating place. You know, not not understanding where does the judge sit, where do I sit, where do people give evidence, all of that. As you say, we're de- desensitized. We we've seen it so many times. But um, so that, that's that's a really rewarding thing to do, and really uh, a g- good advice actually for perhaps students wanting to get into law to, to gain that experience as a volunteer. And I've realised we haven't really spoken much about your your powerlifting. So that's probably a good place to end. Um, by asking a little bit more about that, because you are the weightlifting lawyer, so let's hear more about that. Um, you've got to quite a serious level with your powerlifting, haven't you? National level. Were you third at British Bench? Is that right in twenty twenty two and twenty twenty
0: one? Yeah, that's that's correct. Um, I'm, I'm currently ranked second in England um, and third oh, in gosh. the U- third in the UK. Um, and I and I'm hoping to. All I want to do is represent GB. That's all That's all I've wanted to do since I started um, and, and take my benching to the world stage. I also compete in squat and deadlift as well. Um, so I'll be competing at nationals next year for that. Um, and, and it's, I think, just to kind of, just to give a bit of my mindset into anything really, but it's powerlifting has kind of encouraged it is, I would race you to your car. That's how competitive I am. And um, <laughs> and and you'd win, I think. Well, well, I'm nearly twenty stone, so I don't know. Um, but but that's, that's
1: I'm a wheelchair user. I think you would actually. You I'll... can't see that. I think you'd, you'd beat me every time, Troy. <laughs> well,
0: may, maybe. But um, it's that's you know I am I I'm extremely competitive, and all I want to do is win. And that the only the only thing that's important to me is winning. Um, And over the years, I've changed my perspective of of what winning means to me. So, for example, winning might mean going through, um, you know, the day without a hiccup. That's a win. Whereas before it meant, oh, I need to be first at everything. Um, That's that's changed as you get... More experience than you go through life for, for me. Um, but just going back to my powerlifting, yeah, I, I train five, six days a week, um, three hours a, a, a pop. I've got a coach, I've got a nutritionist. Um, I take it very, very seriously. I, I don't drink, I don't smoke. Um, you know, I rarely go out. I'm, I, I'm very boring. I'm very transactional. Um, but um, I like to think that I'm doing something for for a reason. And if I can see why I'm doing it, and all I've ever wanted to do is, as I said, is to represent my country. Put and and I, and I've said I've joked to my boss that when I get the GB singlet, it will be on underneath my uh, suit, and um, I will be at all times right. ready, ready, because I'm I'm just proud of of what I'm doing. And um, you yeah. know, there's I think just just quickly, if I may, just discuss this. There's um, there's a great overlap between the legal profession and. and Strength sports at at a high level, in that both require discipline, both require um, a high level of mental resilience, and and both require the um, the mentality to take a rejection as as fuel and to 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 kind of overcome obstacles because. On Instagram, only people only ever see the snapshots of what I post and these fantastic lifts. Yeah. And look how you know all these weights that are moving and, and what and what have you. What people don't realize is is the ninety nine percent of the time where I'm lo- I'm I'm training alone. I might I might fail lifts. I'm waking. I'm training. Sometimes I train at three a.m. I, I fit in my training whenever I need to. Um, you yeah. know, during lockdown, I was training minus ten in my shed. It was raining down. Da- raining. You know. It, outside and I was and I was squatting at 6am in the morning with hundreds of kilos on my back it was freezing cold and I could have stayed in bed and I could have done it later but I didn't and I didn't because I've got somewhere to be and I'm not going to get there if I just stay sedentary and if I just rest on what I've got so I always always want more I always want to be the best but how I get there my approach has now changed in that I'm a little bit kinder to myself Because the first time I actually went to um, a national competition, I put my medal in the bin because I didn't get number one. And that's... Oh, wow. So, that's... I've changed now, so... Pretty
1: harsh. Pretty harsh. Well,
0: you know, (laughs) I I surround myself... I train with and I surround myself with the best of the best. So that bring, you know, you raise your game and um I think when you've started in that environment it's very intimidating and you there's loads of anxiety and you think, oh I'm just not at this level and I'm never going to be. Yeah. And for someone like me, I want I like results now and I want something to happen now. Um and you right. know, as a lawyer, most lawyers are, I like to be okay. and have to be in control of everything. And with, right. with powerlifting you're not in control of anything. Um and I think that's a great Um, it it crosses over to law very well because I I would personally say that powerlifting has given me the majority of my skills um, to be able to uh, adapt to the legal industry
1: really interesting Troy I've really enjoyed our conversations thank you for being so honest um, and and sharing your life with us and your journey Um, I think you've got a really bright future ahead of you I, I genuinely mean that um, it's been an absolute pleasure to interview and I wish you all the best with powerlifting and being a lawyer. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you very much. The, the pleasure's all mine and it's been an absolute honour.
1: The Hearing. Thank you for listening and please do get in touch with us if you'd like us to interview a guest you're dying to hear from or any future topics you'd like us to explore. We'd love to hear from you. you. The Hearing, a legal podcast from Thomson Reuters. To find out more, go to tr.com forward slash The Hearing or subscribe via iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.